Coach Stacy, welcome back. Welcome back, man. Yeah. It's always good to be here. Always. It's always good to be in the studio, a.k.a. my office. Yeah, man. <laughs> this is um, the podcast studio. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we always, I like to give a shout-out to Coach Donato because we use a lot of his equipment. So, shout-out to Coach Donato. Yeah, we're in here a little later than usual, uh, which is nice. Nice to be on Thanksgiving break this week. Yeah, it's nice to actually take some time in the morning, eat some breakfast, be with your kids, all that kind of stuff. Or your wife, like in your case. Because... <laughs> so, yeah, usually at 6 a.m. We're, we're rocking this thing. I, Emily, my wife, said that it's cool to do podcasts. She likes how to do this podcast. But she said no 6 a.m.s for a while because that, one of the boys is getting up around that time. So, so my time slot for that's been ixnate for for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's mostly been just sleeping out with my animals. Uh, mm. Oh, man, my dog is just cuddled up. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, he's pretty keen to sleep in until about noon or so so he likes to hang out in the bed and my cat especially she likes hanging out uh, mm. early in the mornings so it's nice to be home and just to get some time to relax especially now that uh, my wife and I have a kid on the way so you know I know that sleeping in is going to be short lived so I gotta cherish it while I can yeah yeah uh, welcome to <laughs> you have a child that you've learned how to operate a little less sleep I think but that's good. I think it's just it's just the way it goes, man. And I was telling somebody taking care of babies is something we uh, we bought. It's worth every penny. The stuff is good, like really good. It's like how the babies sleep and stuff. It's a sleep training class or whatever. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. Uh, you know, we're gonna find out the gender tomorrow oh. at Thanksgiving, so it's gonna be exciting. Uh, I still feel like it's gonna be a girl. Uh, okay. I, I mean, Seems to be the general consensus between Rachel and I both as we mm. both feel very strongly it's probably going to be a girl. But a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, no doubt. Either mm. way, we'll be super pumped. Absolutely. If it is a boy, I'll be super surprised. But, you know, mm. either way, it's just going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my first three tries, I swung and missed on boys. And then <laughs> fourth try, got two, had a double. You du- know? Doubled up. Doubled up. Um yeah, man. I was actually going to pull up some of my phone here. I texted you this morning. You know, poor Coach Carr tried that same move and doubled up on more girls. More girls. Yeah, I mean, listen, girl dad's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. I have three girls. Uh, but it's cool to have both. I think it's been, it's been really neat because the boys are way more energetic. I mean, they are up and at it and going and all that stuff. Oh, man, they're getting big, too. Yeah. You know, I was watching Abby pick one of the boys up the other day there before mm-hmm. mass the other morning and like him stretched out was just about as big as her already and I was like oh yeah they're getting big that's a future offensive lineman sooner than later that, well that's like I told told Emily yesterday they don't, they don't get a choice of what they play when they play football they're playing O-line right like end of story dad I want to be a quarterback sorry son you're playing offensive line <laughs> <laughs> left tackles where the money's at money's at it's, it's the best position it's the position that is the most unselfish and I think in an era of just rampant selfishness in all sports offensive line is a reprieve I mean that's that's a good place to be where your job is to help other people and yeah I think that's that's why I love offensive line I mean I played there but I think it just develops character it develops people that are willing to do hard things for other people and not really receive any glory like public glory but you have the glory inside that you 
hey man, that hole's opened up, and I did that. All right. It's like a cross country runner. Is there? I mean, people have. I guess there's glory. You win the race, but it's a lot of pain in that. You know. Yeah. And people don't see the sacrifices you make on those, like, you know, other outside of race days. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, football's a wild sport, man. Yeah. It, it is. You won't really see the linemen get, like, the spotlight, especially on, like, the big popular plays or whatever. But, you know, mm-hmm. deep down inside the trenches, that's where the games are won, right? They are. I think it's a fine – people, you know, it, there's there's always – there's good phrases that don't tell the whole story, the whole truth, right? Because you can open a huge hole, but if you don't have the back that can take advantage, then fantastic. I mean, obviously, most places you have, have at least one – one running back that can take advantage of that. Now, is it an explosive, dynamic person? That sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, you know, we've been blessed here to have good backs, guys that can run through it and hit it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, O line, that's that's where it's at. I wouldn't. I mean, I'm in, I say that in jest about my boys, but I'm kind of serious. You know what I mean? Like I'm serious about that. That's the only position they're playing. And apologies to the listeners on the podcast. They're fixing something outside my office. So if you hear some some things going like a screwdriver. or No, it's not a screwdriver. It's a power drill. <laughs> it just is what it is. See, what you're describing with like offensive line, like being like selfless and everything else, I always think of, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that highlight of Byron Leftwich in college. Oh, yeah. He like broke his leg and he's getting carried downfield by the offensive line. Yeah. Like, oh, man, that's just such like a key. That's, that's such that. a core memory for me, like growing up. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. So talk about like in cross country, like, you know, there's people that obviously are like your top runners and there's people that aren't. So what is their role? Like if you're, you're not going to win the thing, what's your role there? Yeah. You know, a lot of people get lost on that team aspect of cross country just because it is such an individual sport, you know, because it all does come down to like individual places. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for team wise, you know, the way we score is by lowest score possible. So, you know, it's just like golf. So you get a place oh, for gotcha. every position. So, you know, first place gets one point, third, mm-hmm. three points, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, so really everyone kind of has that same role you know our one through five is what scores you know our one through five runners you know so every single person's position matters you know if our number five can catch you know the number three person on another team you know Mm -hmm. that's huge if we get our five in before Mm -hmm. another team's three Mm -hmm. um you know so really in cross country that's really just you know performing your best Mm -hmm. but knowing that your team depends on that best performance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everyone going out there and giving their individual selves, you know, taking mm-hmm. their selves to that most extreme points of exhaustion mm-hmm. and knowing that it's not just for like, hey, their own individual self, you know, getting a personal PR, running their fastest time on a particular course, mm-hmm. but, you know, really just to put the team in a good position of like scoring well. And, you know, that's something we've been lucky over the past couple of years to have a lot of depth you know this year not as much but you know that's one thing that really helped us is we do have our six and seven runners as well you know and mm-hmm. they can even though they may not score mm-hmm. they can push other teams like four and fives oh, further back you. in the numbers so right that helps us a lot so there is like there's strategy there i didn't realize that in, in cross country oh most certainly um you know i took one of our um one of our guy runners, Jack Waggy, I took him up with me 
to the NCAA regional race for the Division II to watch University of Charleston and Davis and Elkins College go out there and battle it out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was like pointing out to him the most was just like how the different teams are running together in packs or whatever. Like the Charleston guys, they ended up winning the region. You know, they're one through three were like leading the race the entire time, just mm-hmm. packing it up. And so you knew immediately by the time those three finished, like that's six points out of th- just three guys. Mm-hmm. Like you knew, like already they were going to walk away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot more strategy that goes into it than what people probably like think about, especially when you know what other teams you're running against and mm-hmm. who the runners are. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of giving your individual runners like certain people they should be with. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't really consider stuff like that, but mm-hmm. most days I just tell. Like, you know, our focus is just get out there and go run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting how the more I talk to you and learn about cross country, about how much goes into it. Because as an outsider, I'm sure I, I see it as, oh, just go run the course. Just run. Just go straight. But there's there's a whole mental side to that that I never would have guessed, right? And a team side that I never would have guessed that. Yeah, for me, I've always found that when you emphasize the team aspect, it's easier to get the individual performances. Mm-hmm. You know, if you sit there and put all that pressure up, like, hey, you have to go and get first. Hey, you have to go and qualify for states. Like, you do that as an individual. You know, that's a heavy load to carry by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and we always talk about, like, distance running being a lonely sport, like, just like in its nature itself. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't see you on Sundays when you're running an hour and a half, you know. Mm-hmm. You're going out there and running these long roads out there by yourself early in the mornings or late in the evenings. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't see that stuff. Um, but, you know, whenever you focus on the team side of it and you can put the focus of, like, hey, you got to come through for your team, you know, it sort of lightens that load of, mm-hmm. you know, getting out there and actually performing. And I find my athletes usually do better as individuals when they do have that, like, team to push for as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not always privileged to have that. You know, some years we may not have enough runners to Mm -hmm. fill a full team, so, you know, qualifying as a team may not really be there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, still, we try to build that, like, team identity, that team aspect, Mm -hmm. and really depend on that to pull us through. That's excellent. Speaking of excellence, I texted you this. This, I thought this was really good. Let's turn it this way. So this is from Missouri football, and it says, no excuses. It says, any excuse for non-performance, however valid, softens the character. It is a sedative against one's own conscience. When a man uses an excuse, he attempts to convince both himself and others that unsatisfactory performance is somehow acceptable. He has perhaps unconsciously attempted to divert attention from performance. The only thinking that counts is, is his own want for sympathy the user is dishonest with himself as well as with others no matter how good or valid the excuse never changes the performance Uh, my dad sent me the screenshot from coach johnny croyle on x coach croyle that i mean you're talking about excellence that's it right so i mean we're as coaches we're about process we're about getting better but then performance i remember i had a coach down my coach in the Charleston area, he would always say performance matters. Yes, it does. I mean, it def- definitely does. I mean, you can put all the work in, that's that's good. But when the lights come on, it's time to go. You right, know? getting it done is what matters. <laughs> yeah, getting it done is what matters. Performance matters. Uh, 
shout out to Coach Jeffries. Coach Jeffries and I coached together for gee whiz, six years. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's oh, that's man. a fine line, right? Oh, so man. I mean, process, preparation, performance, and performance is obviously subjective to the ability of the athlete to some degree. But yeah, I've got a lot of things to think about that. You know, sort of that whole main idea of like no excuses you know accepting responsibility that's kind of like been the key like mm-hmm. focus of my program forever and you know it's kind of funny over the past few years our emphasis has always been you know like what what we do out here on the cross-country course what we do here in practice what we do day in and day out you know it's all about setting you up for life to get over mm-hmm. like those trials and make sure that like hey when stuff gets tough like you can get through it and, you know, this year was kind of the opposite side of that. You know, we still had that same focus, but, you know, this year we had to, like, actually fail and learn how to get through it. You know, mm-hmm. the past few years have been more successes. Uh, we've had a couple runs at the state meet. You know, we've had some really good individual performances at the state meet. And, you know, this year, unfortunately, we didn't get anyone to the state meet. And, you know, we sort of had to, like, switch that narrative of understanding, like, hey, all right, so we've been talking about getting – through these hard times and having the ability to get through them. But now, like, hey, now we're actually here. And I love what, like, that was saying there about just no excuses and taking responsibility because mm-hmm. performance, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when we come up short, we got to admit that we came up short. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have a really hard time doing that nowadays, like an extremely hard time. Any excuse for non-performance, however valid, softens the character. I mean, that's a... Shout out to Missouri football. I mean, that's a, yeah. I mean, I think, I think you got to define what's an excuse, right? So are we just stating the facts? So we came up short because of this. I don't think that's an excuse. I think we came up short because, and you, as a coach, we should go into why is that? Uh, you know, as when we when we play a game and it's a tough game, it's a tough loss, or it's something that it's a game that doesn't go well. I think those are the games you should watch the most. Because a lot of times, as a coach, I know I think, oh, it's all terrible, this is all bad. But then you find the pressure points. Okay, this is where we weren't good enough. Because good enough is really one of the keys to me. Because, I mean, you could spend two hours of practice working on one play. But is that really what you want to do? Right? Right. Because you have no other options, right? so there's a there's a there's a line of is it good enough? And I'm sure that crosses over to cross country too. So this is good enough. We can now move forward. And or if it's not good enough, how do we make it better with the pieces that we have? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. You know, for me, what it comes down to is it's so easy to make an excuse and it's so hard to say we came up short. Mm-hmm. I mean, today's society has you know mm-hmm. catered us and. Just you know, made it so, has protected us so much. Mm. And I mean, from parents, like a parent perspective, you know, we do it to our children. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we protect and love our children because we don't want to see them hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, we protect our kids from failure. We don't let them fail because, you know, we're scared to see them hurt. And it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. We don't want to sit there and watch the people that we love, like, go through, like, pain or, like, hard times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's so easy to sit there and make an excuse and say, like, hey, I came up short because this happened or, you know, this person's just better than me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 
is something good about being honest about like that stuff but what's more mm -hmm. important is to look at yourself in the mirror and be like hey mm -hmm. you know I came up short and this is why mm -hmm. you know I skipped that practice this summer I missed all that weightlifting this summer I missed mm -hmm. those like two weeks of running when I know I should have been out there like mm -hmm. getting those extra miles in already mm -hmm. you know being honest with ourselves that's what's difficult and I mm -hmm. think what society has become like so confused with is admitting that we failed isn't what makes us a failure right you know what i mean right we are so scared to do that as if you know just admitting like hey i came up short that's what makes us a failure no what makes us a failure is making the excuses is not acknowledging the very things that led to our like poor performance mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what this cross country season has came to for me. It's just, you know, understanding mm -hmm. like, hey, there's places I should have been better as a coach. Mm -hmm. You know, I mm -hmm. should have been way more meticulous in my planning, making sure that we were peaking at the right time. You know, mm -hmm. maybe making sure that we were taking care of like our bodies a little bit better than what we were. Mm -hmm. But even as athletes, you know, we got to be afraid, to, you know, we just got to be honest and say, hey, mm -hmm. we came up short and mm -hmm. that's okay. There's a lesson to be learned in failing. Right. But, you know, there's a lesson to be learned. There's something bigger to be learned in, like, coming out of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love this sentence, too. It says, he attempts to convince both himself and others that unsatisfactory performance is somehow acceptable. Whoo. Right? Jeez. He has perhaps unconsciously attempted to divert attention from his performance. The only thinking that counts is his own want for sympathy <laughs> right um, see that's the thing sympathy yeah that that word stuck out so much to me there yeah i mean i see it you see it all over the place now player doesn't perform well whose fault is oh it's the coach's fault right or it's somebody else's fault or it's like look at yourself and for me as a coach you know we don't have the, the performance we want I'm the first person I look at is me. What are, what are we doing that we need to fix? Right? What are things we can do better? Uh, you know, in the off season, that's the perfect time for that kind of reflection. So, how do we? What kind of tweaks do we make? How do we make it something better? What kind? Of, how do we make practice more efficient? How do we get more reps at practice? Uh, I think as a coach, it's important you stay away from <laughs> you stay away from the things that the crowd tells you you should do, or people who people who don't have the expertise necessary. Right. Uh, I think it's important that we take critique from people that have the necessary knowledge. But when pe don't take critique from people, and this is something as a coach I learned early, don't take critique from people who don't have good answers. When people can only point out problems, then you're not, you're not helping. No like, you have no solution. Right. Well, how do you fix that? Well, well, and then it's easy to criticize it, crickets. Yeah, so you know, I love the guys. They're like, we should run more. Are we a cross country team, We're not a football team. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> we practice football um, in a new condition, right? But yeah, you know, then again, it gets back to the point of what's enough and what's not enough, and that's the art of coaching. So, what is enough for your team? Uh, what is not enough for your team, right? And how do we maximize performance? And that's what, to me as a coach, you're looking to do. You're looking to maximize individual performance so your team performs the best. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. 
you know, especially what you're saying there about focus on that individual performance to bring about the team performance. You know, you have to have your best individuals. You know, you've got to have your quarterback being the best he can be that day. You've got to mm -hmm. have your center being flawless and getting the ball in his hands every time. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to make sure everybody's holding on to the football. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me is huge. But, you know, back to what we were saying there about sympathy, you know, that want for sympathy. I almost wonder if when it comes to, like, these moments of performance, like, obviously when we come, like, prepared walking into these moments of like needing to perform or whatever you know we're hoping for glory we're hoping for the greatest mm -hmm. you know and that's what we're hoping to fill mm -hmm. like that desire at first is that desire for glory that desire for attention mm -hmm. and I almost wonder if like when we realize like you know that's not going to be the reality of when we're not going to get that like glory or attention it's that when we like switch over to the excuses and then like we look mm -hmm. to fill that void of attention with like this sympathy mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel sorry for me, right? Because I didn't perform as well. And I, I'm looking at behind you. There's a there's a thing of tickets from my senior year, and there I'm looking at games there. There's games I played well. There's games I played, uh, but whose fault was that? Was mine if I didn't play as well as I should have? See, for me, it all goes back to like my college running career. Like you know, dude, I was a horrible performer. Like fantastic in practice. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. I could run with the best of them just about any day in practice, but when it came to like performing, there was very few times when I could put it together. And I can like mm -hmm. be very honest and say today, like I never put it together when it mattered. Never at conference championships, never at like the regional championships, mm -hmm. like, you know, always blew up in those races. And I see that happen with some of my athletes now. And you know, the good thing is, is they're young and it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what we've got to be honest with, too. It's mm -hmm. okay to fail. You know, it's mm -hmm. all right to stumble. It's all right to fall down. Hey, we can work on that. We can fix that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the end of the road. Um, but I look at myself, and then I look at my, some of my athletes, and I'm, like, seeing the same things happen mm -hmm. with them. And I'm just like, hey, you know, I can get you on that right path to get over this before it, like, it is too late, maybe, like, in my case. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I would have had more time to address mm -hmm. it. But, you know, I'm thankful I learned those lessons I did mm -hmm. so I can share them with those that, like, I coach and work with now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my baseball career in a nutshell. I was a very good practice player. And I was a good player in Little League. And then my body changed and I wasn't so good and then football became my thing which is why I I think youth sports are great but I think win and loss records in youth sports are useless because kids have not hit puberty yet and that is where people that's where people start to separate right so puberty and then what kind of development are you putting your body through youth, youth league sports have a purpose and it's to develop kids it's not, hey, I won the youth league championship. Like, right. okay, that's to awesome. Turn you into like an athlete, like right. to make you actually right. move and control your body. And it's great for you know everybody wants to win, obviously, but the purpose of them when it, they're used well is development. And does that kid play the next year? Because if you can keep them in the program and they develop, like I was an all star in little league. I mean, I'm looking like Mark McGuire at the plate. Roger Clemens on the mound, but then my body changes in middle school. It changes again in high school. And I think that we get stuck on, and this is where I think performance matters, but not so much at like a youth level. I think development there is what matters. And then trying to just help them become better as they go. So like a kid that's a runner, you know, when he's young, you're working on technique, form, you're working on 
some endurance, right? But they're little. Right. You know, you don't want to burn them out. I mean, I'm a, I became a decent runner after I played college football at 290 pounds. <laughs> you know, so like there's different stages of people's, people's lives. Running's a different one, man. You got to be real careful with it at younger ages because, mm-hmm. like I said, it it's just a di- it's a different world. You know, not many people like to go out and run really long distances. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. all by yourself, it's, you're not gonna find many f- friends doing it. Especially in like especially when it's cold, right? It right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, right. And I mean, yeah. you know. That's, I don't know. There's been some really, really good, like, youth kids that have came out of West Virginia that have, like, broken, like, some youth records mm-hmm. and, like, 5Ks and stuff. And then by high school, just nothing. Yeah, where are they? Yeah. And they, like, literally don't run anymore. And it's, to, to tell a young kid to leave their friends and go run for 45, 50 minutes, like, yeah. uh, good luck, buddy. Yeah, finally right. a good idea. I think about the kids that I played middle school football with. I was an average middle school football player. But off my middle school team, I think there's only two of us that played Division One football, and both of us were kind of just, uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a development piece for, for players. When you're younger, whoever hits puberty first is going to be better. Oh, 100%. You know, whoever, and whoever has had some sort of coaching from their dad is going to be better than everybody else. But then as you get to high school, that playing field evens. And then it becomes genetics to some degree, right? Genetics obviously plays a factor in that. But then how hard does that player work to develop their body? And then do they perform when the Friday night lights shine in the football world or Saturday whenever people play varsity games? All right, you're sitting there talking about Little League and stuff, and I'm just thinking of one of our buddies that you know we grew up with. You know, Our last year of Little League baseball, I think there was all but three games he didn't hit a home run in. Mm. You know, one game he went four for four for off of me for home mm. runs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, came to high school, didn't even make the high school varsity team. And it was just, dude, right. he had a beard when he was 10 years old. Right. Homie was t- twice our size, and I mean, you know, yeah. it was You were like, ahead of the game there, boss. Yeah, exactly. We were still throwing 40 miles an hour. He was throwing like 65, 70. Right. Like, it's just different worlds. Yeah. But, yeah, and I think when the playing field levels, that's when you look at the, the quote we were looking at from Missouri football, is when we're all on equal footing here, performance definitely matters. And am I taking criticism to be able to be better? That's what it's all about. It's just mm-hmm. to be better. Just mm-hmm. to be better. It's just to say, hey, I came up short. I'm going to work on this, mm-hmm. and it's going to make me a better person. You know, the next time mm-hmm. I'm in that position and I'm ready to perform again, okay. I'm not going to have this problem. Why? Because I've addressed it. I'm going to get to it, and I'm going to make up for my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's okay. I do that to a lesson I wish I would have learned 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm thankful to have learned it today. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in a position where I can share that with my athletes now. And, you know, that's what's important mm-hmm. to me is just getting that emphasis through them. Is like, hey, you come up short or whatever. We'll mm-hmm. take that. We'll learn from it. We'll figure out what's up with it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep moving. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get you back there. Yeah, and Justin Bowers and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. I think one of the biggest lies we tell kids is you can be anything you want to be. That's a 100% falsehood. Right. Like 100% falsehood. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to be, I always use the example, I want to play basketball like Michael Jordan. No, that wasn't in the cards for me. No, and not here. I think, that's, I think we set kids up for failure when we tell them that. I think if we tell kids... 
that if you invest and you work hard in yourself, you can maximize your performance. Your potential. Your potential right? to be you. But you can't be anything you want to be. That's just not the way that works, right? You can't be a bear. <laughs> I can't turn to a bear tomorrow, <laughs> you know, or like a different, you know what I mean? My daughter's a little. So, like, I want to be a unicorn. And it's like, no, you know, that's childish stuff. See, and there's this, there's that idea that we have to be the best. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot in today's world that stops people from even getting started. You know, right. I love guitar. Like, I love listening to people play guitar. I love watching, like, these really famous guitarists. But I get stuck mm-hmm. on learning guitar myself mm-hmm. just because I'm like, well, I'm never going to get that good. Mm-hmm. Because I sit there like, oh, well, I don't have time to practice two hours every day. I'm not going to do this, 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 this. You know, and I wonder how much that impacts like just our inability to do stuff mm. just knowing that we can't be the best mm-hmm. and you know if we want to mm. fix that then we got to be like alright it's okay to not be the best you know just be the best version of yourself I had somebody tell me this is years ago years ago years two or three years ago it's always okay to be bad at something the first time you do it it's always okay to suck for a while <laughs> because right. when you just start doing it you're not going to be very good at it and that's okay. But there, there's that development piece and there's that excuses piece of, I'm not making an excuse, I'm just not very good at this right now. But I can become better as I continue to develop and work my craft. And I think about that as offensive lineman. I played all five positions in games uh, on Division One football team at Liberty. All five. Like I've left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. And was I great at any of them? No. But if you practice and you watch a practice film and you take the correction, then you can be good enough to play at that level, depending upon ability and training and all that right. kind of stuff. But I think that's a key thing for all athletes is you can be very versatile and do a lot of things, and you can get a chance if you put yourself in that position, if you're prepared and you show up and you don't make unforced errors. There's a good tennis one, right? I imagine that equates to running some. Don't make unforced errors. Don't beat yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't 100%. do something dumb to where, hey, I just took myself out of the race. And it's an unforced error. Right. Like, don't go out there sprinting ahead of the pack when you know, like, hey, right. that's not how you run a race. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't, don't, hurt, don't lose the game, like, by yourself. Don't beat yourself. And... That's like a whole other podcast about just, and don't do things in life that just take you out of the race. You know, let's stay and don't do those things, right? There's a whole list of those. Uh, yeah, and I think as you probably experience just as much as I do, our athletes go through quite a bit of that, you know, mm-hmm. hurting themselves or whatever. But, okay, they're young. And that's why we're here, right? That's why we're here as coaches. We're here to develop and nurture and try to get them back on the path. Just be mentors, man. It's what our kids need. Mm. I think, as you and I have said, Upshur County needs good people. Mm. And I feel like, mm. you know, that one question you asked a few uh, podcasts ago, if not us, then who? And I mean, yeah, that seems to be the biggest thing that sticks out to me. It's just, yeah, if good, what's, there's a phrase about if good men do nothing, then evil triumphs or something of that nature. And I think that's it. I think in our, I best say, I, Every community is like this, but if, if not us, like you said, if not us, then who? And at some point, you just got to take the 
responsibility and say it's going to be me. Right. And that's I'm going to do it. You know, I was talking to someone recently, a friend from college, and I mean, for the podcast listeners, you know, I went to college here in Buchanan at West Virginia Wesleyan. It was just a friend of mine, and they were like, have you ever been, they asked, like, have you and Rachel ever even thought about, like, getting out of Buchanan? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure, we've thought about it, but, like, mm-hmm. one, like, it's a good, convenient place for the two of us in between our two families. So I was like, but, like, mm-hmm. genuinely, I'm of the belief, like, what Upshur County needs and what Buchanan needs is good people that are committed to mm-hmm. like be here right now mm-hmm. and I feel like I feel really good being here mm-hmm. my heart feels good my soul feels good like I have a need to give back and this mm-hmm. place like gives that to me mm-hmm. you know so I'm fine mm-hmm. I'm good good where I'm at yeah I think enough people have checked out and said I'm not going to try to help Buckhannon here in the last couple of years from what I've seen I think yeah. we need people to like yourself mm-hmm. and like myself that say, hey, I'm here to help. And even if it's bad, there's turmoil right now, we'll get through this. Right. You know, the state takeover and all that kind of stuff, which I think has been really helpful to be candid. I think it's good to have good direction. And I think it's good to go through things that are difficult. Because if you check out when it gets difficult, we're going to do the same thing the next time. I think it's hard that whatever job you just took, you're going to check out that one too. All right. And you're going to go find a different one. Uh, and I think it's it's good for people to find find their passion and follow their dreams and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've done that in my career, but I don't think it's good to leave a place because of the bad things of that place. You should be looking for something. If you find something better for you at your next place of employment, that's good, but not just to run from something that is See, difficult. I wonder how much like just our mobility, our ability to move from place to place nowadays, because just I mean roadways oh sure yeah everything I wonder how much that is just like weakened communities you know what I mean yeah. you go back like 60 70 years it's hard to leave your small town you know what I mean it's yeah. hard to get like get up and leave it's like, like you know when you live there and you work there like you had to be committed to the people saying mm-hmm. like the community you know what mm-hmm. I mean nowadays it's so easy just to run from that go move somewhere else blend in with the crowd move on to the next spot mm. I was listening to a video this is a while a couple years ago the guy was talking about, he lived in Michigan. It was Rob Bell who is. He, oh, I know Rob Bell. Yeah, you're talking about, I mean, it's a guy that he, he, people have either love him or really dislike him. But he was talking about when he was in Michigan as a pastor that there was almost no older people who had wisdom because they'd all moved to Florida. <laughs> and it was like, hey, where's the people that have the wisdom who have been here? Well, they're gone. Right. And like you were saying, Man, I don't want to be like that. I want to be somebody that, as I age, I stick with the community I was in to help. Not to be critical or back in my, you know, back in my day, I well, no, the world changes. But how do how do we help? And that should be our mindset always: is how do I help improve the situation and have solutions? Right, and it's awesome. I mean, we've said this a million times on here, but it's not meant to be easy. You know, it's meant to be rough so you can learn from it, and then I can take that experience, and then I can pass that knowledge on to the next. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, like, as we know here, like, I'm applying for some new jobs here and hopefully, like, getting some new career paths changing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's my main, like, Mm -hmm. that's my main focus and selling point. It's like, hey, I know I'm young, Mm -hmm. but that means I have a long time to learn. I have Mm -hmm. a long time to, like, make the mistakes, learn from it, Mm. and to be and like by the end of this 
be a really good like example mm -hmm. you know just really get this job down pat and mm -hmm. you know know how to pass on and teach it to the next one mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what we're in need of and hopefully I can do mm -hmm. that but mm -hmm. you know that's exactly it man it's just staying committed to the long term mm -hmm. and taking that knowledge passing it down mm -hmm. the world doesn't get better if no one like helps mm -hmm. you know I was thinking of one of my buddies that lives out in Colorado and I love him to death you know, sometimes I just worry about him. Like, you know, I just don't feel like he has any, like, real connectivity or any real desire to, like, want to put something back in this world. Like, you know, and just, mm -hmm. and I don't want to, like, criticize him or, like, anything. Right. But, you know, he lives just pretty freely to himself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I just kind of wonder sometimes, like, man, is he missing it all? Like, you know, giving it back. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he wants the world to be better and everything else. But I'm like, dude, you're just out there. Like, what are you putting back into it, man? It doesn't get better when we run away from it. I think we talked about this before. Children are how we do that in the best the best way possible in my mind. And how many of our I have plenty of people I know that don't have children. And man, we gotta we gotta leave the world better than we, than we found it. And how are we gonna leave it better than we found it if we don't have kids? <laughs> right? As we get older, you know, what I mean we have our work, that's cool, that's great. But the real legacy is what you leave behind that can grow. And what else? What's going to grow more than children? You know? Right. Dude, there's this, always that conversation, especially around kids. It's like, you know, that losing of freedom when you have kids. You know, I was at the dentist's office yesterday. Mm -hmm. And when I was just mentioning that, you know, my wife and I were expecting, you could, like, hear the hesitation to ask if we were excited because... Mm -hmm. A lot of people aren't yeah. when they get that news, That's and you know, sad. and she wasn't trying to be rude or anything. It was just the dental assistant. You know, she was just asking, like, you know, are you excited about that? Like, were you all like, you know? And I could tell, like, you know, she just didn't want to upset us or anything. But I'm just like, no, nah, like, yeah, I'm pumped. Like, yeah. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I mean, right now, I couldn't think of a greater joy. Like, I got all this crap here at work, whatever. You know, I get to go home every day and know, I'm like, hey, I got my. I get to love my pregnant wife and, you know, just mm -hmm. celebrate that, like, here soon we're going to be bringing a child into this world. And mm -hmm. It's just going to be awesome. Yeah, I'll go places with all five of our kids, and people give me a look of, like, their eyes get big. and Man, you got your hands full. And my response is always, it's a good handful. Because you got to love your kids. Those, those are blessings. Like, those are, those are, the Lord is blessed when you can have children, for sure. Coach, it's good to see you. Hey, always, man. So what do you have for Thanksgiving tomorrow? What you got? Ah, uh, so we're going to, we got a little uh, Thanksgiving get-together with my wife's family. Like I said, we're going to find out the gender of the baby. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go home this afternoon, continue to make some desserts. Going to mm -hmm. make another, uh, so for our listeners here, I've been making a pumpkin cheesecake swirl recently. <laughs> so taking the pumpkin yes, pie sir. game to the next level of uh, making it into the cheesecake game instead. But it's beautiful. Oh, good stuff, man. Delicious. Beautiful. Nice little ginger snap crust, homemade. Ooh. Vegan? No. <laughs> I know, man. No. That, listen, no. every time I make it, I sit there and wish, like, mm. I've only Coach Davis. I've only Coach Davis could experience how good this is. Ah, it's okay. No. Listen, no man, problem. I'll eat another piece for you. Do that, please. I'm going to eat my, my wife's going to make some good vegan treats and we'll enjoy that. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs>